All right, hopefully in your Bible you found 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're getting in uh, to the next part of our sermon series on 2 Timothy. Now, hopefully you've had a good half term over the last few weeks. We didn't meet last week, Catalyst Festival. The weather's been beautiful. Um, I hope you've managed to get out and just have some time together, friends, family, sort of enjoying yourselves. Uh, the family and I, we went up to the Peak District a couple of days ago, um, and we went to a place called Paddley Gorge in the Peak District, which was amazing. We had a great time with the kids climbing on rocks paddling in the stream it was brilliant and also because we were traveling it was quite a journey to get there we decided we were going to take advantage of eating out at a restaurant and so we went and ate at mcdonald's which you know is kind of a restaurant so we actually ate inside um, and it was brilliant time Um, unfortunately we've reached the stage though where the boys a happy meal doesn't cut it so they need a happy meal and an extra 20 chicken mcduggets just to fill them Um, i had a double quarter pounder which was just awesome. Melanie doesn't really do McDonald's. She doesn't particularly like it. So she just um, had a wrap. She had some vegetarian wrap, which was just like, yeah, didn't look particularly appetizing at all. Um, but that's what she had. But the wrap is important because what we're going to be looking at today is we're going to be looking at what it means to be wrapped in God's grace. God's grace, the unmerited favor of God that is towards us all. And I want you just to remember that as we move forward through this sermon, and because it's going to come up again and again about being wrapped up in all God's grace, his love and his mercy for us. So we're into Timothy. Uh, we started this about three, four weeks ago. There's been several sermons. I think this is number four in the series. If you missed any, just catch up online and you'll kind of get to where we're going. We're looking at this letter written by the Apostle Paul to his son in the faith, Uh, Timothy and this is Paul's last letter because he knows he's going to die soon he's going to be executed by a Roman um, soldier Um, and he's writing to his son Timothy saying you've got to keep going Timothy you've got to keep going after God going after Jesus and all that he's called you to and through this letter there is exhortation after exhortation for Timothy to keep going keep moving forward um, in all that he's doing and we've looked at um, his exhortation to keep going in his faith to keep going in suffering and passing on what he's learned today and we've looked talked about the image of a baton and a relay race being passed on and this is what Paul is doing in this letter so we're gonna we're doing that and we're looking at the next section so if you've got your Bible I'm going to read the next few lines from uh, 2 Timothy 2. We're going to look at verses 1 to 7. It's kind of a short section, um, and I'm just going to read it out to you. It says this. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses in trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. All right, big idea of what I'm going to look at tonight is Following Jesus requires grace-filled devotion, self-discipline, and hard work. Following Jesus requires grace-filled devotion, self-discipline, and hard work. Okay, so we've looked at, uh, had a, we had an introduction, we'll look at keep going in faith, keep going in suffering. What we're looking at tonight is that Tim, Timothy is to keep going in his ministry. And what we're going to look at is four images 
that come out from this text where Paul is trying to get this across to Timothy, what it means to keep going in his ministry. One image is kind of implicit. The other three are very explicit in what he's doing. And Paul wants Timothy to keep going after Paul has gone. He knows he's going to die soon. He wants Timothy to keep going, to keep moving forward. And he's given him these images to help him frame what it means to be a follower of Jesus in this life and particularly for uh, Timothy he was a minister he was a leader of the church in Ephesus and so Paul wants him to understand what that kind of means what that looks like uh, for him and so there are four images and we'll go through each one in turn and they're the images of the teacher the soldier the athlete and the farmer and each one will give insights to Timothy about his ministry in Ephesus and they'll give insights to us here now in what it means to follow Jesus but as we look at those images we need to be reminded that it's all wrapped up in God's grace and Paul reminds Timothy of that right at the outset so if we look at the first verse there verse one Paul reminds Timothy that we need or he needs and we need God's strength that we need God's strength it says then you then my child be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus if you remember just the last section we had he's made an illustration from the lives of Anesiphorus and he's saying, this is what it means. This is what this guy did. Wasn't he great? And he's saying, out of that, he's saying, actually, Timothy, you need to be strengthened by that grace too. Because Anesiphorus really served Paul, did a great job in there. We covered that in the last sermon. And he start, begins with, he says, you then. So you need to act like Anesiphorus in what he did. And he says, the way you do it is you are strengthened by grace. You are strengthened by grace. You are strengthened by the power of God working in you. And grace is the unmerited favor of God that would be towards Timothy. And this is all of God's goodness, his love, his mercy that has been shown in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this covers everything. This covers everything from his salvation to the forgiveness of skins, to being declared not guilty, justified before God, to being adopted into God's family and him being your father, to being empowered by the spirit, to have ministry gifts that Timothy would have had to serve the church that he was a part of. All the good things that God would have given him, just the provision of life and breath and home and food and clothes, all that stuff is evidence of God's grace in his life. And none of these things come through Timothy's own actions or merit. They're all a result of God's goodness and grace and mercy that has been poured out for him. And Paul describes him, he says, you are in Christ. You have been wrapped up in Christ, you're in him. And this speaks of a relationship that Timothy would have had with God and God's loving um, kindness towards Timothy. It has been a continuous ongoing thing. And, and Paul is saying your life needs to be wrapped up in the grace of God. Your life needs to be enveloped in the grace of God. So when you find strength in God, when you go to God for that, it empowers you, it fortifies you on the inside. And this comes through the Holy Spirit that was poured out Pentecost on the church that all may be filled um, and be full of it and empowered for works of life and ministry and Timothy is to draw on this daily he is to be strengthened by this uh, through times of prayer through study of the word through fellowship with other believers and so when the suffering comes that Paul's mentioned in previous um, uh, passage the previous passage and he gives the example of Nesiphorus who, who suffered and still served this is all motivated and fueled by the grace of God. He's not doing it uh, to earn God's approval because you've already got it. He's not doing it to earn God's love because you've already got it. He's not doing it to earn God's favor because he's already got it. 
then Paul is saying your life has been wrapped up in grace. So go to God for strengthening in that. And that grace underpins what comes next when we look at these four images. Because when we go through these four images, the danger is we kind of feel like we've got to work harder, we've got to do more, we've got to add more to our life. But that is not what Paul is driving at. That's why he starts out by talking about grace. And when we get to the end of the passage, you'll find actually he finishes with that, the same idea as well. And so it's all wrapped up in grace. And so as we go through these four images, I want you to remember that's what is underpinning this. It's not, this is not a list for you to work hard or do more. This is Paul trying to train to me and saying, this is what it looks like. This is what a grace-filled life looks like. This is what it means in response to all that God's done for us. This is how you outwork your ministry, Timothy. This is what it, what it looks like when someone is filled with the Spirit and they're walking after Jesus and they're following him and they've been strengthened by the grace of God. This is how it outworks itself. So the first of the four images, look at verse two. This is the image of the faithful teacher. And this is one who passes on what they know to, in, uh, to others in a way that they can pass on. So it's the idea of a teacher training someone in such a way that they then can pass on what they've learned to someone else. So it's not just throwing knowledge at someone, it's actually training them in a way that they can pass it on. And Paul says, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. So Paul is talking about the gospel that he's been preaching. He's already talked about it in the letters, that he's talked about the good deposit, the, the, the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done, that, that he's been given. He says, I've, you've heard me go on about it. You've heard me preach. You've been in situations where I've been preaching to churches, preaching to unbelievers, preaching to Jews, preaching to Gentiles. And he says, there's been many witnesses. There's been other people who will have heard this message to, to know its consistency. Because the learning of God's word is a community thing. We come together and learn as the church together like we're doing now. And he says there's many others in, who've been witnessing what I'm doing. He says what you've learned from me, you need to pass on. And he says you need to entrust to others. So we've got Paul. You've heard it, Timothy. You now need to pass it on to faithful men, he says. So there's others who will then be faithful in teaching that good news to others. And because we've had previously... Go back a few verses. We've had people like uh, Phygelus and Hermogenes who basically had heard stuff, but they just rejected it and they've gone away and they've forsaken the faith. And Paul's like, not guys like that, faithful men. And Nesiphorus was an example of that. He says, find reliable individuals who are committed to God, who are committed to the mission, that you are to teach what I have taught you. That you are to teach the truth of who Jesus is. You are to pass this message on. And then those faithful men, they're meant to pass it on to others. So we, what we have is four kind of generations. Paul, pass on to Timothy, you pass on to faithful men, he passes it on to others. So there is an ongoing kind of family line there of the good news of Jesus being passed down to others. And we find at the end of the letter, Paul actually is asking Timothy to come to him in Rome. Um, so which means you're about to leave Ephesus, which makes it even more important that you need people behind who are going to carry on teaching the good news. And so they need to be reliable, faithful individuals. And so... For us, when we think about that image and how we're going to keep going following Jesus, we need to be men and women who are listening and learning, but also passing it on to others. So there's a kind of a two way thing. It comes to us. We need to be listening and learning. We need to be growing in that, but in the same way, passing on what we have learned to others so they then can pass on to more people. And so this begs some questions for us. And so I want to ask them to you. First one is, where are you listening and learning from? Where are you kind of 
learning like from the pull character if we put ourselves in the place of timothy where's your pull who are you listening to and learning from are you reading your bible are you listening to sermons are you catching up from the ones that we kind of you might have missed here from being off and around actually are you are you taking time to do that are you spending time with believers who are further down the line than you who would consider older more mature christians who've actually been around the block, have done it more? Are you spending time with them and asking them questions and learning from them? I know for me, I've spent much of my life doing that, looking to others, learning from them, even taking the bombs that I don't get this, explain this to me, making sure I don't miss out on stuff that's being taught in the church that I'm a part of. I've spent time with believers who are older than us. Even now, I still have others who I've been involved with, Andy Martin, you know, he's going to be preaching here next week. He's home and his wife, Heather, have helped Mel and I, have actually have older, wiser people raise their kids and stuff. And we've asked some questions about parenting, about church leadership, about all sorts of pastoral issues. We try to glean from them information that we can then pass on to others. And so there's also the second question there is, who are you passing it on to? Who are you actively investing what you've learned about God and the grace of God and the gospel of Jesus, who are you passing on to? Other believers in your life, are you actively involved in life groups? Thank you, Pete, so much for plugging that and having that as an opportunity to share what God is saying to you, what you've learned about the grace and the love and the mercy of God. What about young people and children? You might have them in your own home. You might be involved in our kids and children work here. You might have nieces and nephews and grandkids and others around. Are you passing on what you've learned to them? Are you taking time to invest in them? What about those outside the church? Maybe you don't know any of this. Are we taking time to invest in them as restrictions kind of open up and we can spend more time with people and we're kind of coming out of our little house bubbles that we've been living in? Are we taking time to pass on what we've learned uh, from others? And are we wrapping that all in grace? Are we teaching a message of grace, of the love of God, who is for people? He wants to know people. He wants relationship with people. And are we passing that on? Do we know that for ourselves? Have we learned that? And then are we able to pass it on? Are we passing on a message of legalism where you just have to do more and learn more and then God might like you if you're good enough? Because that's not what we're about. We're all about the love, the mercy and the grace of God that transforms us from the inside out. So that's the teacher. And then we've got the second image, which is the image of the devoted soldier, the devoted soldier. And it says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus, oh, sorry, of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. And what we have here is we have an image of a soldier who is devoted to their commanding officer and will avoid getting involved in things that will take away his focus because he wants to please his boss, his commander, his captain, the one, the one who's in charge of him. And the, for us, the image is, is that the, the believer is a soldier and Jesus is the commanding officer. He's the one. He's our captain. He's the one we look to. He's the one who gives the orders and doles out the assignments. And Timothy, Paul is saying, you're meant to be like that. You're meant to suffer as a good soldier. You are under the authority of a commanding officer who is Jesus and you are to be totally devoted to your duty, totally devoted to what he has called you to. And Paul arrives at this. He uses a negative kind of idea where he says you are not to get involved in civilian pursuits. And what he's drawing um, a contrast is, is a soldier is in the army now. And if you're a soldier in the army, you've got 
a new mindset. You've got a new kind of uh, clothing. You now are a uniform. You are different from a civilian. It doesn't. You have to be at certain places and do certain things. And your your focus is to complete uh, to please your commanding officer. You're not getting involved in civilian pursuits. Things that bother civilians do not bother you because you have to fight. You're in an army now. You have a battle to win. You have a war to fight. And you look to your commanding officer who is going to lead you through that. And that can be tough, that can involve suffering, but that is what a Christian do. That's what a believer is, is to do. And, Jesus, and Paul is saying to him, Timothy, you're meant to live a life of faithful service like that. You're meant to a life live, lived of devotion to your commanding officer. And we've just done the, the parable series, and I'm reminded of the parable of the talents, uh, where at the end, when the master returned, the commanding officer, as you will, returned, and he, he saw those who'd been serving, to the ones who had used and invested widely, what did he say to them? He said, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's the same idea Paul's driving out here. Be devoted to your commanding officer. Keep going in what God's called you to and remain single-minded on Jesus and his mission because you're in his army now. You're no longer a civilian. And a civilian would be talking about the world, things that the world goes after. What, are the, what is the world going on? Says, you're, not, you're not in that. You're actually after God's kingdom and after what he's after. And for us now, this means we have to live lives where ultimately everything is under Jesus' command. He is our captain. He is our leader. And we are in his army and in his service. And so we submit, every, submit sorry, everything we do to him. That means our career. means our family, our marriage, our kids, our home, our money our time, our possessions, everything is ultimately devoted to him. We don't want to let good things in our life become God things that rule over us and they get our devotion, not God. We are to seek first his kingdom, Jesus said, Matthew 6, 33, says, seek first the kingdom of God and then everything else after that gets added in. And so the question here for us out of this image is, who are you trying to please? Who are you trying to please? Because Paul's very clear to Timothy that there's only one person he should be trying to please, and that's the commanding officer that enlisted him in the army, which is Jesus. He's the one you should be trying to please. So who are you trying to please? Are you trying to please yourself? Is your life devoted around you and actually everything I need and my pleasure and what I get and my feelings and my rights and my enjoyments? What about your boss? Is everything devoted around your work? And actually the only person I'm trying to please is the guy at work or the girl at work who's over me, who can who pays the wages and, and I want to please them so I can get a promotion and move forward. What about your family? Are you trying to live to please a spouse or children? They're the focus of your life. And as long as they're happy, everything else is going all right. What about parents? Are you trying to still please parents and live up to standards that they've put on you, whether recently or maybe even years, decades ago? Or are you trying to live to please Jesus? Because that should be our focus and everything else needs to be secondary from that. What about the third image? It goes on in verse five. This is the image of a disciplined athlete. It says an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So the image here is the athlete who is so focused on their training that they can win the contest, that they can win the contest. The goal of the athlete is to be crowned the victor, to win, to be in first place. Back then, there was no silver or bronze, which we have now in our medals. You get gold and you get silver and bronze. There was no silver and bronze. There was first and that was it. 
and everyone else wasn't first. And he's Paul is saying this to gain that price, to gain that victory, an athlete needs to do certain things. And he says that he says um, he uses that word unless the athlete's not crowned unless. Well, what's the unless, Paul? He says you have to compete according to the rules. And what he's talking about then is back in the ancient times when a games was coming up, what would happen is the athletes would have to gather together to basically do training before the games. And they would all have to come together with their trainers and compete and kind of work together in the same place. And they were the rules that actually they had to do that and so there was a a training and it was hard it was tough training and it, it lasted quite a while in preparation for the games that were coming so the athletes had to come and to but to compete according to the rules means they had to come and get ready and get prepared and this would means it would require uh, suffering it would require hard work it would require commitment and self-control uh, to what they were doing they had to endure short-term pain for the long-term payoff of winning the competition. And it would require day in, day out working at what they can do. And there was no other way, there was no shortcut. You couldn't just turn up to the race and run. You had to go through the preparation beforehand. So they had to go through temporary discomfort in the favor of long lasting glory and victory. And Paul is telling Timothy, you need to stay focused on the life you're living now, what God has called you to. There's a crown at the end, there's going to be a prize at the end. You'll be rewarded by God. But now you have to stay focused on what you're doing. You have to keep going. You have to work at it. We have to live lives of discipline. We have to say no to uh, distraction that comes in, to sin that would entice us away. We have to show self-discipline, knowing that what awaits us as we pursue the prize is so much better. And so there's a question there for us to be like the athletes. Where are you lacking self-discipline? Where are you lacking self-discipline in your life? What about your personal devotions, your own Bible reading and prayer? Is that something that you just, even me saying it now kind of makes you uncomfortable. Where are you lacking a bit of self-discipline? Is it in just personal holiness and some of the things that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing or things that you should be doing that you're not doing? Are you lacking self-discipline in your marriage in actually investing that and working that, the, the partner that God has given you as a gift to help you and work through this life together? What about, are you working well with your family and kids are a responsibility? What about your workplace? Is that something you're giving your full focus and work to because God has placed you there to be his servant, to be salt and light in that place? What do you need to do? To change that, what do you need to do? Have a think about it and say, actually, I need to make some changes or something. And I want to encourage you, if you know there are things that God's prompting you now, make sure you tell someone, make sure you do that and actually use this opportunity of what God's doing in your life. And what about the last one? The fourth image is the image of the hardworking farmer. It said it is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. So the image here is a farmer who works hard, in sowing and then uh, tending and then ultimately reaping from their labor. And basically Paul is making kind of two points. First one is farmers work hard. In fact, they work really hard. They work massively hard. And Mel and I were on holiday a couple of years back and we caught up with some friends who were part of a previous church that have now moved and we happen to be in the same place. And he um, is a farmer. 
Um, but he also, that's his side job. He also has another kind of full-time job. And we spent kind of a day with them, had some lunch with them. And in between, he was doing farm jobs and we were out with them. And I kind of got stuck in, the boys got stuck in. And I say, it really hit me. My goodness, farmers work hard. And this was his second thing. He actually had another job that he was doing well as well. And I just, it struck me of the hard work to run a farm and to bring a crop um, to fruition that it can be harvested uh, and sold. And for Paul is saying, following Jesus is hard work. It can be really hard at times. He also says there's a reward at the end for your labor, which is fantastic news, but actually that it can be hard work. Timothy needs to keep going in working hard, not giving up. And so the question that kind of pushes to us here is, are you working hard in following Jesus? Are you working for hard in following Jesus in your personal life, in your work life, in your family or marriage or parenting or friendship circle, whatever it is? Are you working hard in those things? And so through those images, Paul is reminding Timothy that he needs to live a certain life. He needs to learn what he can, pass it on. He needs to live to please his commanding officer. He needs to work hard to, uh, to attain the crown and the share of the crops and be fully devoted as a follower of Jesus. And these are images that comes up in Paul's letters again and again we find them in corinthians in a couple of places they're familiar things for say this is how we are to live the christian life but when he ends this if you just go we're going down to the last bit verse seven here he actually brings it back to god he brings it back to the idea of grace that he started in so this whole concept of everything being wrapped up in grace look at what he says in verse seven he's things think over what i say for it is the lord who will give understanding in everything it ultimately comes back to God. Timothy is told to think over these things. Think about what it means to be a soldier in God's army, what it means to be an athlete pursuing him and training, what it means to be a hardworking farmer tilling in his field day after day, expecting a crop. What does that mean? He says, think over that, chew it over in mind. And the Lord, who is the God of all wisdom, the source of all wisdom, we read in Proverbs, he will bring understanding to you. And so at the beginning of this passage, verse one, there was a promise of power and the strength of grace in his life. And at the end of this passage, we have the promise of divine insight. So ultimately, everything is wrapped up in God and his grace. It all comes back to God's grace and mercy. And so as we look at what it means to follow Jesus and think, how does it, what's it mean to be, to be a teacher and take on, learn and then pass it on? What does it mean to be a soldier, an athlete, a farmer? We come back to God and he will give us understanding. We're strengthened by his grace and ultimately we come back to him and he will provide what we need. And so as we finish this time together, I'd love you to uh, get out a pencil and a piece of paper or pen or whatever's near you. Or if you've got a phone uh, and you've got a little note-taking app or something, just jot some stuff down. Jot some stuff down. So the, the general thing is what's God been saying to you? Is there, what's God been poking you at this time? Is he, is he reminding you that you need to spend more time wrapped in his grace? Is you need to spend some time in the Bible just reading? Do you need to spend some time in prayer? Worship, playing worship songs. Worship in the garden, by the way. If you missed that, you missed out. I was there on the Sunday evening. It was fantastic just to 
be with the people of God. That wrapped me in grace, just there, just worshipping and seeing people and singing together and proclaiming truth. Do you need to spend a bit of time doing that? Do you have a deeper understanding of what God has done in your life through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection? How the Holy Spirit has brought you to life. You were dead, but now you're alive in him. You've been forgiven, adopted. You're being sanctified, empowered for service. What about those four images of the teacher and the soldier and the athlete and the farmer? What I'd love you to do maybe this week, if you've got your Bible, you've got a note or something, write those four words down. Write down teacher, soldier, athlete, farmer. And then maybe draw a circle around them and write grace in the top because everything's wrapped up in God's grace. And I'd love you to pray this week, every day, for God to give you understanding of what that means for your life. Pray, say, God, strengthen me with your grace. Reveal more of your grace to me. And then go through those phrases. Say, what are you saying to me out of these this week? And God will give you understanding, Paul said. God will bring understanding. He's not going to hide things from you. He wants to reveal his word for you. He wants to open it up. He wants to challenge you and shape you. God is so interested in your life and your character and wants to grow you more like Jesus. And he wants you to be so wrapped up in his grace that you are willing to be completely devoted to him, that you are willing to give up everything to follow him, to live a life of hard work and discipline, because you know ultimately that will be good for you and the rewards that come from the end. So maybe I'm just going to pray to finish. Maybe you want to jot something down. If you haven't thought of anything, I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to you now. And maybe you can jot something down there on You'll drop something in your heart. What do you need to do out of this? Maybe you have your Bible open if you've got it there in front of you. Just look at this and think, maybe God will just speak to you a particular word, a particular phrase. Okay, that's how God's going to bring understanding to me because God has made a promise to you. So I just want to close your eyes. I'm going to pray. Paul said, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. A couple of things there. You are God's child. You are in Christ Jesus. And God's grace is in you to strengthen you to keep going after him. That is just amazing off the bat. Thank you, Lord, for that. Holy Spirit, we pray you would come and fill us as your people. You would come and fill us as your people, that we would know more of your grace, your mercy and your love. God, we also pray, like it says in verse seven, that we would think over what you said, knowing that you will give us understanding, that you will give us understanding. We pray you would take these images, Lord, and you would teach us through them throughout this week. But we pray even now you would drop things into our heart that we need to get right with you. Lord, if there are areas that are off kilter, we bring them back. So we know that forgiveness is available when we've messed up and we just say, God, we're sorry. We know mercy is available. We can come back, get right with you, keep moving. But Lord, as we leave this time, as we go out for this week, God, we pray that you would wrap us in your grace afresh. We would know it, that we would cry out to you in prayer. We would read your word. We would shout and sing your praises. We would live a life that honors you to serve those around us, to love those around us. As we go back into workplaces and schools and see neighbours, tomorrow, God, we ask you to give us grace to pass on what we know of you to others. 
in how we speak and act, Lord Jesus. And God, we pray that we would never, ever forget your grace and mercy that's been poured out on us, that we would live lives wrapped up in you, that we would have grace-fueled devotion, self-discipline and hard work on Jesus. I want to say we love you and we praise you. And God's people said, Amen. I'm going to finish there and hand back to Jeremy. Love you guys.